I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Managing Editor of Healthcare Info Security. Today I'm speaking to Greg Biggers, a board member of Genetic Alliance, a nonprofit health advocacy. Today Greg will be discussing a new initiative at Genetic Alliance that can allow patients to control the privacy of their health data as they share it with researchers. Hi, Greg. Hello. Tell us briefly about Genetic Alliance and your role. Genetic Alliance, as you mentioned, is known as a health advocacy organization, um, but we're a little unique in the advocacy world. Genetic Alliance is actually a network of over 10,000 organizations around the world that are related to health, health research, health advocacy, and helping consumers claim their own center of control over their health. Among those 10,000 organizations are over 1,200 disease or condition-specific organizations, often foundations or grassroots organizations that are helping people affected with various conditions take action about it. In my role at Genetic Alliance, I've, been, I've served on our board. We actually call it a council, but it's, it's much like a, a board of an organization for a few years. And I have recently come in-house for a time as entrepreneur in residence, helping Genetic Alliance meet this next inflection point in what the world needs out of us and what we can bring the world in terms of going beyond traditional advocacy or actions and now actually launching some innovative products and services into the world like this Reg for All that we'll be talking about today. Tell us about the Reg for All project and how this initiative can enable patients to control the privacy of their data while they share that information with researchers. Reg for All is the world's first ever participant-controlled health and disease registry. It's a place where anyone can come and add their piece to the health puzzle for themselves and for the world. In the health profession, there is this thing called a, called a registry, which has existed for many years. There are many registries scattered around the world. This new initiative, reg for all is unique in two different ways compared to all the other registries around the world. The first one is it's participant-controlled, as I mentioned, so that anything I, I store there as a participant, I have complete control over, and we can get into some details about what that looks like. The second thing that is unique about reg for all compared to most other registries in the world is that it is cross-disease. It spans all of health. So mo- many of the registries around the world are specific to a particular condition or people group. And what we are realizing, we meaning the world, not just genetic alliance, but what the world of health and health research is realizing is that these boundaries we've put between conditions often artificial. So it's uh, it's time to stop artificially segregating things like my vitiligo, which is a rare condition about skin pigment, from mild hypothyroidism, from the effects of a car accident I was in. All these things are integral to my whole health and so ought to be able to be treated in an integral way, um, in addition to being sliced and diced more specifically the way traditional registries work. What sort of information do patients share about themselves via Reg for All? And, for instance, is there a way for them to eventually share complex data, like genomics data? And are there third-party sources that contribute the patient's data, like healthcare providers or others? Yes. Where RegForall is going is a very comprehensive source for data about people. The, the people's doctors tend to call patients. We like to just call them people. So it starts with 
a low-intensity but very engaging experience that is kind of like a gamified survey in a way where I, as a user of reg for all just begin answering some simple questions about myself and my health. And it's things like, how do I sleep? How informed do I feel about my health? Things like that. It, if I continue to go through this survey and I can stop at any time I'd like, uh, it includes a handful of what the National Institutes of Health call their common data elements. The NIH and a few other organizations have agreed on here's the baseline set of health information we ought to be collecting about anyone regardless of what their condition or disease is. So it includes those things. And then it, it asks me about what kinds of conditions I've been diagnosed with. And based on the items I tell it about my health and what, what things I may be struggling with or I have been diagnosed with, then the system will, in a personalized manner, guide the next kind of data it collects from me based on those things. So if I say I suffer from liver disease, it will then start to bring in much more liver-specific kinds of questions and prompt me for data about that, for example. So that's all kind of this first very engaging set of experiences we set up for the users. And then we add to that even more disease or condition-specific questions, which are curated by experts in the 13,000 known diseases in the world, uh, working with the foundations that support patients with those diseases, um, as well as their scientific advisory boards. And that all is a, is a massive undertaking, and that's what we're launching right now. Then we will add to that the ability to, to automatically import clinical data records from electronic medical record systems. And in the, for example, in the United States, the regulations driving what's called meaningful use of electronic medical records mean that by the end of 2013, anyone whose data is stored in an electronic system in their clinic or their hospital will have the right and the ability to have that data either downloaded for their own use or forwarded to another system like Reg4All. And then we're also collaborating with some groups to help us bring in um, other kinds of complex data sets, such as genomics and other kinds of omics information. The idea here is all of these kinds of data, whether it's simple survey answers or very specific disease-related questions, or if it's my clinic records or my genome or whatever it is, we're providing a place for the individual, the participant, the person about whom that data is, to control everything about that data. Can you tell us a little bit about the security technologies that are involved in allowing patients to control what data is shared? For instance, will there be data segmentation? Will there be electronic authorization in terms of you know giving permission to opt in or to opt out to certain studies? Tell us a little bit right. about all that. Yeah. At the time that I create my account with Reg4All, it actually creates links for me in two different systems. One is the place where my health data is being stored. The second system is a place that handles a few things about my identity and what permissions I'm setting for what other people might do or not do with my data. And so we've kept those systems completely separate from one another. And in fact, it's a third party that runs the identity and authorization service so that they're, the only link between the two is, in, in technical terms, an encrypted foreign key that when the identity service, authorization service says, I have authorized this thing to happen, then it sends over the key to decrypt 
my health data for use of whatever I've told it to use it for. And here's the kinds of things I can tell the system. At a very, very granular level, I have control over everything about my data. So first, in case it's not obvious, I control what information I store. Any of the questions, um, even in this gamified survey, always on every question, one of the answers is skip the question or choose not to answer. So I even choose what data I'm storing. But then we think that the much bigger power of the system and the exciting kind of moral center of, the, of reg for all is that I, as a participant, choose everything that can happen with the data I am storing. So for example, it's things like I choose whether or not I want to be discoverable by researchers based on some of the data about my health. And this doesn't mean they get to know my identity, but we will be serving an interface to researchers where if they're looking for cohorts for some research studies, they can search based on the criteria of the people they need in a research study. And if, I'd said, if I have said yes, you may search for me, then my results will be, my health data will be searchable. And the researcher will see that I'm among a group of people that match their criteria. But I'm not yet identified. It's just helping the researcher know, are there people out there that match this criteria? Then I can also control whether I am open to being contacted for things like study or cohort development. And if I've said yes to that, then the researcher who is developing this cohort has the option to reach out to me via Reg4All. I'm, I'm still not yet identified to that researcher. Reg4All handles the communication. And I get a communication saying, there's a, there's a researcher over here who would like to talk to you about a study they're doing. And it's not until I say yes to even that that, that the actual direct contact is then facilitated between the researcher and myself. And at that point, I'm speaking with the researcher, not Reg4All. I can also say that certain groups or certain doctors, I'm always willing to be to share my data with them. So for example, if I'm, say, in a, in a liver cancer support group, and I already know I, I want to share this set of data with, with that group, I can say, yes, share this portion of my data with that group. Don't ask me every time they want to see it. Just do it. Will patient data that gets stored on the Reg4All site get stored into so-called big data databases? And how are researchers who access that information authenticated? As each participant desires, yes, there will be opportunities for participants in this, in reg to share their data with quote-unquote big data kinds of databases. And it will work just like the other question I explained I get to answer about my sharing preference as reg validates certain research projects and I'll tell you about how we do that, then I, as a participant, as a user of Reg4All, I'm given the option, do you, would you like to share your data with this project at Sage Bionetworks, for example, or with this worldwide repository of breast cancer variants that we are trying to make open source and move it out of the hands of, of the patent keepers, things like that. But again, the, it's, it's so important to us here that each participant gets to choose whether they want to do that. So coming into Reg4All as a user, no assumptions are made about what I might or might want to share or keep private. And I can say I want to make everything public, and I know people who do that. But more often people are saying, yes, I'm, I'm willing to share this and this with these three groups and ask me for all the rest. So you also asked about how we validate what researchers are able to come use the system and, 
sometimes even use data in the system. We are starting by using the same criteria that the U.S. government re regulatory bodies use for validating good and ethical research. So we're starting by saying, and this is something that our ethics team has brought to us, that we will use the same criteria that it requires to have a study listed in the clinicaltrials.gov website. And it's important to note we're not doing this because we are U.S.-centric, but a lot of thought has gone into the governance of that system, which happens to be run by the U.S. government, and that's a good starting place for us. And then over the next year or two, we'll look for ways we need to grow beyond just those criteria, but it's a good starting point. And so it's things like it's a respected researcher at a commercial or academic institution, and that they have received approval from their IRB, their Institutional Review Board, which is the ethics and safety oversight kind of committee that approves or disapproves particular research proposals. So any researcher or study that has met the criteria to be listed in clinicaltrials.gov, we will also welcome into our system and make them an option for participants to say, yes, let them use my data, or yes, I'm willing to be contacted about being included in their study. Would the principal policies and technologies used have potential to be applied elsewhere in healthcare to protect patient data? For instance, would health information exchange organizations be able to use the principles behind this to manage their sensitive patient data? Well, what we know is that this approach is absolutely needed and useful for reg for all and for speeding translational research. I think those of us who are, who are kind of founding team members of this, including our ethics team, which we made a founding body for this rather than an after-the-fact kind of approval thing, we are excited about how the moral center of what we're doing here might affect the rest of health and healthcare. But I think it's important to note that we think of this as not a way for reg for all or for Genetic Alliance to manage information, but this is a way for individuals to manage their information. So the locus of control is radically different. It's not an institution managing it. It's saying, let's let each participant, let's let each individual express their desires for how their data is used or protected. And we think that's a pretty root-level, radical-style shift from only the ethics that, that previously has mostly been about protection from harm and sometimes about privacy. So we think of this actually more about choice of expression than privacy per se, although the condition of privacy is controlled by what you share and don't share. But to answer your question a bit more directly, we would love to see these notions be included in clinical medical records management that take, take this locus of control of each individual patient and let them control. But we have our hands full doing it just in our project so we don't have any plans to go make that happen soon, but we're always open to collaborating with advanced thinkers and doers in the electronic medical record field. Why is it important for this effort to include many different diseases and many different conditions? Here's a key insight we arrived at over the last six months. There are great registries around the world, and researchers applying immense energy to understanding particular diseases. There, there are people around the world looking for the needle in the haystack, and they're doing great work. But we realize the haystack is made of needles. 
that we now have the ability, the technology infrastructure to collect data and eventually tissue about every condition of health and disease and have it together in a way that will help us understand things like comorbidities, you know, disease conditions that exist together in people, side effects of different therapies that just aren't cataloged anymore. And so now the idea isn't that the registry itself is what unlocks these keys that helps us find all of these needles, but it is people and their data all in one place integrated. It's not looking for a needle in a haystack anymore. It's understanding that the whole haystack is made of needles, and let's make sense of that. Thanks, Greg. I've been speaking to Greg Biggers of the Genetic Alliance. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.